<laughs> welcome hey shh, kevin we're live hey everybody welcome to story on the spot this is a grand kevin muted himself thank you for that this is a grand storytelling experiment where me and three or four or five or however many other authors we can get to come in here will join us and i am going to read some story prompts and then everyone is going to pitch their version of the story you <clears throat> watching or listening can comment um also couple bits of housekeeping around up here at the front. Make sure you're visiting storyonthespot.live to learn more about the show. And that's where you can see all of our websites and past episodes and stuff. Also, there is the matter of the week seven winner. And it was very close, but it was R.A. McGee. Hey! Yeah. Mr. Vote for Pedro himself. Uh, hey. Let me introduce... I'm taking my name off this thing. <laughs> so with me today is Kevin Tomlinson. Vote for Pedro who is uh, Ra McGee. And also Nick couldn't think of something funny Thacker. All right. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Good. All right, everybody. Let's jump into our first story. I am going to share my screen here and turn off these banners, etc. Okay. So our first story today is called Mustard Demons. A writer on the New York City subway emerged employed a novel way of pr protecting his personal space. The seated passenger removed a bottle of ketchup from his bag and squirted a squiggly perimeter on the floor around his seat, apparently hoping to keep fellow strap hangers away. Twitter erupted with funny comments after one user posted a photo, gotta protect yourself from the mustard demons that can't cross the barrier. New York City Transit doesn't recommend passengers follow this guy's example. What we don't get from the story is whether or not it worked. So maybe that's something you guys could explore. I mean, throw He's some. He's still crap. alive, yeah. <laughs> He's still right. So I need <coughs> one of you to step up and volunteer to be the first. Kevin, Kevin, you ready to I'll go? go. I'll All go. right. All yeah. right. What you got? We're gonna call this a case of condiment car conjuring. Condiment car conjuring, which I will eventually say correctly. So uh, this is a unique and special order of a Wiccan cult that is working towards, um, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna go the world domination route. This time around, I think they're out to protect us from an unknown threat. And they're slowly spreading outward and going into the cities where they normally wouldn't have spent time. But they, they, they practice a special form of magic that revolves around food. And so they set up their little conjuring circles with condiments and they can summon creatures or keep creatures at bay. And this this person was actually trying to protect that entire train from a giant hot dog monster. And that's my story. <laughs> dun, 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 giant hot dog monster. <laughs> that's a dun, dun, dun right there, man. All right. Nick or uh, R.A., Mr. Pedro, who would like to uh, go second? Uh, I don't mind if if Nick will let me go second. Um uh, I, I mean, just this once, man. Just this once. I appreciate your your civility. So, <clears throat> so the thing about this yes. is, uh, like everybody's seen the show Supernatural, right? So we all know that uh, in folklore, placing things around the entryway to room, uh, you know, can have an effect at keeping unwanted things out—ghosts and demons and poltergeists and things like that. Uh, and it always has to do with the type of creature that you're dealing with. So. Uh, you know, they use salt because salt's pure and, and it, it can purify uh, ghosts and things like that. Well, what the story here doesn't tell us is our uh, our mustard hero is actually Canadian. All right. And uh, is part of one of the first uh, first nation uh, tribes up there. OK. And I don't know if you guys know, but uh, 
mustard seed is uh the origin of most mustard seeds is Canada. And um, yeah, it's true. It's a true story. So they grow uh, a lot of mustard seed in Canada. Well, they, the, the First Nations up there had always used mustard seed to keep uh, the Wendigo at bay, you know, to, to keep it away. They would put mustard seeds around the uh, entryway to their, their homes and things like that. And uh, we have a Canadian expat and uh, just fell upon a, a, a sordid happening of the Wendigo in New York. And so he can't get any proper mustard seed right now of the medicinal variety. So he's using res, res, regular old French's uh, everywhere he goes to keep it at bay until he can find something stronger and combat the Wendigo. So uh, our hero is actually fighting the Wendigo and uh, is using every uh, every tool he can. And French's is... Uh, is the tool for now. All right, there you go. Canadian Mustard Hero would be a good name for a, an action thriller series. All right, Nick Thacker, it is up to you to bring us home on this first story. All right, well, gentlemen, um, you know, you guys all got, got right now we're dealing with um, is, is just a classic story um, of, a, uh, of a hitman pair of assassins. Um, a group of hitmen that work together. Two men, uh, maybe a man and a woman. I, I haven't quite decided who my main character is. Um, but this man is the man who marks the location of the next hit for his partner. And he does it by using ketchup because everybody knows that ketchup is effing impossible to clean out uh, of every, of anything. So, you know, if you get ketchup in your car seat, that car seat is ketchup forever. There's there's no there's no getting it out no matter what. Um, so he used um, goes with the dog to find different place. He tells them generally where it is, and the dog can sniff out exactly where the location is um, of where they need to make their next hit. Um, they've got it all worked out to uh, time time it down perfectly so that one can 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 canvas the area and see where the, the their target is going to be, what subway train they usually ride, and 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 at what time, and then he can mark a spot. And then of course people will clean it up, but it never gets cleaned up well enough. And so later that week. His partner will come by, and um, the person sitting in that spot will be the person he has to off. So it's a way of communicating who the who the targets are without uh, there being any any possible way of uh, being detected. Very nice. So if you are watching, uh, if you're watching live, if you're watching not live later on, drop a comment down below and let us know whose story you liked the best. Kevin's, RA's, Nick's. Let us know. Kevin's, and <laughs> Kevin's or Nick's or Kevin's. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to move on to the next story while we wait for some of those comments. This is called Winner Winner. The Maryland Lottery said a single store sold 24 top prize winning tickets for a bonus five match drawing, a total of $600,000 in prizes. Lottery officials said the Exxon and Frederick sold 24 tickets for the June 12th drawing bearing the winning numbers 2, 9, 11, 13, 17, and the bonus ball 25. Each ticket is worth $50,000 for a total prize of, of $600,000. The lottery said it was unclear whether all of the tickets were purchased by a single player. So you've got some kind of weird stuff going on with this Maryland lottery. A bunch of different tickets were sold that all contained the correct numbers. And they don't know if the one person bought them all or if multiple people bought them and happened to use the same numbers. If that was true, if that was the case, it would be very strange. So... Who is going to be the first person to tackle this story? Uh, I'll go first this time. All um, right, all right. So I think that we are uh, dealing with uh, a person who has experimented on himself 
and given himself uh, an exponentially growing intelligence, right? So he dived through the internet. He's a computer programmer type, and he essentially wrote a, a program uh, kind of like the Matrix, okay? And so he kind of hooked into his VR headset, and he downloaded, uh, you know, all the, the knowledge of the ages, if you will. And so one of those knowledges was, uh, was you know, how to build algorithms like that. So he is getting smarter so fast that he could actually crack the numbers uh, for the lottery. The problem is, you know, there's a threshold for how smart you can be and not really have a lot of, you know, common sense. You know, the smarter that you get, you sometimes don't have social graces or kind of like intuitive thinking. And so he doesn't really realize that you probably shouldn't buy all the lotto tickets in the same place, like the same week. You know, he just knows, I know the numbers, I'm going to be rich. And uh, so all of those, all of those lotto tickets were sold to the same uh, computer programmer matrix type guy. And uh, so the story is the, uh, the cops trying to track him down before his brain kind of implodes on himself, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Lucy, but you know, she just kept getting smarter until she like just blinked out of existence. And so that's what we're dealing with here. That would be the rush, uh, the rush on the clock trying to save this guy from a brain matter explosion, implosion, brain matter implosion. All right. Let me put the story back up here for a few seconds, Kevin or Nick, which one of you two would like to be in the middle? Uh, I got it. If you get, all right, Nick, give Kevin the, the, the easy last, um, I think what we've clearly got here, um, this situation is a time travel story uh, through and through. You've got a guy who has created a time machine. And so naturally, what do most people do when you create a time machine is you go back in time and you get the winning lotto ticket before the person who actually uh, would have gotten it got it. So he watched the news. He saw that this place sold the ticket. Uh, it was off the beaten path, uh, which means it doesn't sell very many lotto tickets a day. So he's like, oh, OK, this makes this is this is my target. I'm going to go back in time. And I'm going to go there and be the person who gets the lotto ticket before the person um, after me who normally would have won. So all is great. He goes and he gets the winning ticket and uh, scratches it off. And uh, he knows that these are the- Nick, you there? Cliffhanger. Oh, man. Get in the dun-dun-dun for that one. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> Nick just disappeared. That's how he told us. Nick, he time traveled. We lost like the last 10 seconds. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you now. Maybe. I don't know. Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> all, right. all right i guess nick's done he's gonna <laughs> you gotta give him an eye for incomplete yeah. <laughs> yeah nick glitched out of you that really, you really can't hear me <laughs> yeah there you go there you go oh, did you hear there me? we go okay okay all right i because i heard everything you guys said for like i, I just i cut out on my end for some reason um so anyway what he does is he goes back and he gets a winning ticket and then he goes he waits a little and then he gets winning he just keeps doing it over and over again but what he doesn't realize all right, screw it. <laughs> Can't hear me anymore. What, what he doesn't realize is what he doesn't realize is that his internet is not working. Oops. Scratches them off, and <laughs> and Ryan's trying to give us like a mid-story extra twist prompt here. Yeah. But uh, so I believe Kevin, you were the last one to go. Let's see how your internet holds up. Yeah. Okay. So. No. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, Okay, what we have here is a classic tale of fourth-dimensional beings trying to make contact with our three-dimensional world. So because of the nature, you know, we as three-dimensional beings, we would not be able to uh, understand or interpret anything that these 
these beings uh, give to us, but they're trying to warn us of an impending disaster. So they're, they're doing so by using a code. And so they're transmitting these numbers and people are, are subconsciously picking them up. So suddenly you've got lotteries uh, are coming up with these numbers and people are buying those tickets ahead of time um, because they're being influenced by this fourth dimensional being. And uh, over time, the numbers just keep showing up, keep showing up. People start to notice it as a pattern and somebody finally cracks it and discovers that this is warning us of an of a oncoming disaster and we're able to avert it at the last minute because we have that sequence of dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let us know in the comments who you think won that round and i am going to read our next prompt <sighs> i hope nick can hear us because he is just a black rectangle with a white circle this is called Sending Out an SOS. Oh, there is Mr. Thacker. Oh, and he's gone again. The mystery of a 30-year-old message in a bottle found floating in a Texas river by two boys was solved with the help of a mail carrier. A pair of boys aged seven and eight found a glass bottle on the bank of the Neches River in Beaumont, and inside they found a sheet of paper dated from 1989 with a man's name and address. The boys and their families attempted to contact the man, but found the address in Silsby did not exist. A longtime U.S. Postal Service mail carrier helped solve the mystery by revealing that while the address no longer exists, the home is still standing and still occupied by the same family. I find this story fascinating that the the house is there, but the address is different. Yeah, uh, that happened. That's quite strange. But who would like to be the first person? Has anybody not gone first yet? Nick. I don't think I've gone first. Nick, you have you me? had time to see the story? I can see and hear you yeah. just fine. Yeah, for now. Um I'll, I'll I'll turn off my internet when I get to the the punchline. <laughs> um, I think what we've got here clearly is a, a situation where there was a kid who was abducted uh, back in 1989. Actually, back in the early 80s, and uh, he was abducted by a family that wanted a son, and they didn't have one. And so what they did was they kidnapped this kid and they took him to this house that they had prepared for a long time to uh, to take off the map, um, to take off the grid. So. This kid um, being abducted and being intelligent, he figured out what the address actually should be and uh, sent a message in a bottle. It was the only way he could get the word out that he was here. Um, and unfortunately, the bottle ended up floating down a river and no one ever found it for many, many, many years. Um, so when they go back, they find that the kid's all grown up. Um, he's a grown up man who lives in a creepy house with no address. And while we feel for the for the kid, now a man, um, we actually discover that uh, there's some twisted stuff. He's actually taking matters into his own hands. And let's just say he lives in this house alone now. Done, done. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin, R.A., who would like uh, to go next? I think I'm up for second second run, I think. Um, okay. So I believe this is a case of uh, – it's a little bit of a case of time travel, but the, it's – uh, the fact is that someone in the past uh, altered the timeline and created a second timeline. And in that second timeline, the home, uh, the, the address ceased to exist. So we're in that second timeline. So the message is all about trying to uh, remedy this situation, fix the timelines, merge them back together so that people who cease to exist in one uh, start to exist again. So the person who sent the, the original letter back in the 80s or whatever, they lost someone important, like their wife or their child, 
And so they they figured out that if they dropped this message into the river at this exact point in time, that it would reach someone and they would have a shot at remerging two different timelines where and everybody who disappeared or everybody who died or everybody who's otherwise gone would be back and he would get his his child back or whatever. So that's what this is about. It's a and there's no address in our uh, timeline, but there is one in the other, and it's that loop of that bottle coming back and that message coming back that creates the bridge <laughs> that will allow it all to repair itself. All right. Okay. Uh, all right, RA, bring us home. What do you got there? Okay. So I think that we are dealing with a uh, a small pack of immortal beings. Um, I think that, you know, you guys are all familiar with uh, Elizabeth Bathory, right? The blood countess Hungary. Yeah. Um, so the story about her is that you know, she used to bathe in the blood of, of young maidens to keep herself young. Um, but there's always been a little bit of talk that she was she might have been a vampire, really, like one of the old school, like classical vampires. And that, you know, she didn't really die when they said that they killed her, that she uh, really got away and, and a peasant girl took the fall for it. So I think that uh, Elizabeth Bathory, you know, made her way to the new world and has been setting up shop. Uh, in the same house and, and continuing the same uh, sort of uh, sadistic things that she was doing before. Uh, whereas she would, you know, take a child from the not too close uh, uh, neighboring, you know, town, but she would get children and she would bring them there. And, uh, you know, she would complete these rituals, her and, and her partners uh, uh, in this house. And I think that, you know, the bottle came from one of the uh, children escaped uh, she's trying to escape and she, she doesn't have any way, you know, to get help to anyone. So she desperately, you know, puts a message in a bottle and chucks it in the water and uh, she hopes that she can get help. And, you know, obviously, you know, that didn't happen. Bathory and her team, uh, you know, descended on her and drug her back. And so now you fast forward to the future. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Bathory, you know, they change the address every so often, just kind of trying to like it's part of their protocol to keep the heat kind of off of them a little bit. And uh, they thought that they always covered their tracks perfectly, but in this instance, they didn't. And uh, this is going to be what uh, an intrepid vampire hunter needs to kind of follow the clues back to the source and uh, ultimately uh, kill her and her uh, her clan. All right. So RA's story has a prologue to it. Very, very detailed and in-depth. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on to our next story. This one is probably my favorite of the uh, week because it's a pretty fun story. It's a trap. Authorities in Texas were called to a family's home when they received an unexpected package containing 32 bags of marijuana. The Harris County Sheriff's Office said deputies were called to a Houston home after the residents reported receiving a package they hadn't ordered that was filled with cannabis. If it is yours, please contact the Harris County Sheriff's Office to claim it, the sheriff wrote in an Instagram post. Marijuana is illegal to possess in Texas. All right. So who would like to be the first to tackle this story? You could tackle it from the sheriffs. Uh, the sheriff is the protagonist. The people receiving the weed is the protagonist, the person sending it. And there's so many different amazing, glorious different directions you could take this story. I think I'm up for uh, first again. Kevin, um, what do you got? Okay. So uh, I think this is going to be a case of the the receiver of the package finds themselves inadvertently in a whole world of, of trouble. So they get this package and uh, they, you know, they do their, they do their civic duty and they turn it in 
but now the the eye of uh, suspicion falls on them, and so they start to finding that you know not only are the police kind of following them and tracking, uh, but there's there's this sort of dark seedy element of of people out there who are kind of following them, and uh, they're starting to become a little bit afraid and feel a little more threatened. And so as the story evolves, our our protagonist and his family have to go on the run from both the police and the bad guys. Uh, and then ultimately this ends up in a, uh, a sort of clash, a battle between good and evil uh, with, with uh, Joe the plumber in the middle. Like he's just this average everyday guy, but he ends up taking down a huge drug cartel and, and while also taking on the police. All right. I'm glad to see Joe the Plumber still kicking around. Joe the Plumber. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I got to go second. Uh, I think. I'm, um, all right. All right. What do you got? So, you know, it's a pretty common ploy for, uh, you know, drug traffickers to send uh, drugs through the mail. Uh, they do it pretty commonly because they realize that there's not a lot of them that are going to get caught. So it's like acceptable losses. So I think that this is a situation where uh, you have a, a pretty high level uh, drug smuggling syndicate. Uh, sending drugs, uh, obviously, to the wrong home. You know, they didn't mean to send it to this house. The the stooge guy was a little high on his own supply and got the address wrong. And uh, so they sent the drugs there. Um, and the the family doesn't really have anything to do with it. The sheriff uh, is coming down hard. He wants to pretend like you know, hard on these because he can't have that in his county. And so you have a, a, a deputy a sheriff who's kind of following the clues, figuring out what's happening. Um, and then I think the story would climax with, you know, finding out that uh, the sheriff is actually involved in, and uh, that's why he's coming out so prominent. Oh, let us know. We'll come and find you. And that the sheriff is really, you know, the kingpin, the drug cartel in the town. And uh, that's the reason why he's glad, you know, that the family turned it in. And, uh, you know, one of the clues that our, our deputy finds is that the drugs go missing from the evidence locker. And so he's trying to work his way through. Uh, scenario. All right. Uh, Mr. Nick Thacker, you are the last one for this story. What do you have to say? Well, I think what we've got here, quite obviously, is um, is a is a heist within a heist. And a pretty a pretty clever who is actually trying to acknowledge him. You just in your head watch my story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking my head because I'm only getting about one out of every five words. Yeah, I don't know what we're supposed to do. All right. <laughs> All right, Nick. Great story. <laughs> so now, now the game becomes we, we we use Nick as the story prompt and we figure out what it was he was trying to say. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and move on to our last story of the day. Bear Invaders. A California homeowner snapped a photo of a bear spotted beating the heat with a dip in the home's backyard pool. The Claremont resident snapped a photo Sunday showing the bear lounging in the pool behind the house. Witnesses also captured video of the bear climbing a wall to walk on the ledge and rooting through trash in the neighborhood. Bears have been known to wander from the nearby San Gabriel Mountains into populated areas. A bear made headlines in 2019 when it climbed a wall outside Claremont home to sit on the ledge and eat a package of Twizzlers candy. All right, Nick has removed himself. Hopefully, he's working out his audio issues. But uh, we've got here, yeah. Thanks, Desiree. Yeah. It's very. Poor Nick. We all feel we all feel that poor Nick. Ah, uh, um, we don't all feel. Like <laughs> it. <laughs> I think I got to go first this time. <laughs> so, all right, all right, all right. What do you got? <laughs> I think that um, this is the beginning of a Doctor Doolittle esque story. 
I think that the homeowner has a, a teenage daughter and that the teenage daughter, uh, you know, upon reaching the age of 16, uh, has started to develop gifts. Uh, animals are, are drawn to her. They feel comfortable with her. Uh, she's able to, to talk to them and help them. And I think that the news of her newfound skills, uh, talents have, have spread far and wide in the forest out in California. And so I think that this bear uh, was coming uh, to talk to her about some kind of medical issue that he was having. And uh, she told him, listen, I know it's hot. Just, you know, find a way to cool down and I'll figure out what I can do to help you. You know, so you're not obviously seen right next to the house because my parents would freak out. And so the bear took it literally and, and wandered his way down to the pool and, and took a soak. And, you know, mom and dad came home and they saw that. And so, uh, you know, hijinks ensue. So I think we got a Dr. Doolittle type story. All right. So, um, Kevin, you want to go second and give Nick a little bit more time to study the story since he had sure. to work out? Yeah. Uh, so I think what we've got here is uh, people are training bears to be uh, like thieves and warriors. They're creating a guild of bears. Uh, and the bears, the bears are being trained to, you know, uh, to infiltrate homes and, uh, you know, scout ahead and that sort of thing. Um, and this particular bear is kind of new to the training. So he sort of wandered off without being noticed. Uh, but what we what he ends up doing is alerting authorities to this bear uh, bear troop that is this guild of bears, by the way, that is uh, that is in the area. And we discovered that bears have been used to do all kinds of nefarious things in this area for for quite a while now. So guild of bears. <laughs> all right, Nick, you get to be the last voice if we can hear you. Uh, the last voice and the last story of the day. What do you have for us about bear invaders? I can't, I can't, I couldn't see it. Hold on. My internet's not going to work. So what you've got basically is a couple of bears are going down into the city in California. They're coming out of the forest. One was taking a swim. There was a video of another one who uh, sat on a ledge and apparently was eating Twizzlers. It's unclear if the bear brought the Twizzlers with him or if he procured the Twizzlers at the house where he was hanging out fair point <laughs> fair point so, so nick what do you got sorry yeah I, it's never mind just I, if you can hear me if you can hear me just go i can't you, everything was cutting out all right my internet's unbelievably poor right now for some reason i don't know what's going on that's all right okay so i am going to put up there's our websites jimheska.com kevintumlinson.com nickthacker.com rawmcgee.com but tell you what, if you just go to storyonthespot.live, there will be links to all that crap, uh, everybody's websites and past episodes and how to subscribe to the show, yada, yada, yada. If you like our uh, if you like our show, support our authors by visiting their websites and buying their books or just going to pirate them. They're all over the place. You don't really have to pay for anything anymore. <laughs> nobody else agrees with me but he's like no I, don't <laughs> no i agree i i had myself muted though so everything i said got said to the void all right everyone and thanks for tuning in have a good day bye all right. see you